Welcome back, guys, to the Measured by Success podcast, hosted by myself, Greg Hall, and David McRae. Myself and Dave have really been looking forward to releasing this week's episode. Today, our guest is Dara Whelan, who is the Chief Scientific Officer and Co-Founder at Output Sports. Dara will detail more about himself and Output Sports in the podcast, but before we get to that, myself and David were lucky to connect with Dara over the lockdown period. We had been following Output closely for a few months previously and thought we would reach out to them about coming onto the podcast. What ensued was a few Zoom calls where we were lucky to get a product demonstration of Output Sports' latest product, the Capture, from Dara himself. All we can say is what a fantastic product and a fantastic company. We're really looking forward to seeing Output continue to grow and have no doubt they'll be successful over the coming years. Finally, before we get into today's episode, our podcasts are available on all good podcast platforms, so make sure to subscribe and to leave us a five-star review. Also, make sure to check out our website, www.metricsphysio.com, and our social media, at Metrics Physio, for all of our latest blog posts and content. Now on to today's episode with Dara Whelan from Output Sports. Okay, Dara, thanks a million for joining us today on the Measured by Success podcast. Um, hope you're well. Um, for all of our listeners, it would be great if you could just give us a little bit of information about uh, yourself and your background. Hi, hi, David. Great. Firstly, thanks a million for having me on. Uh, my own background is actually as a physiotherapist. I would have worked um, in Singapore for a couple of years after I qualified predominantly in outpatients and sports physiotherapy. Came back and did a, a master's in sports and exercise medicine in Trinity. Um, actually did a research project as part of that and really enjoyed that part of that, that work. So following the, the MSc, I basically went around and, and looked for PhD opportunities. And on that journey, I met Brian Caulfield, who a lot of Irish listeners may know is former dean in physiotherapy in, in University College Dublin and director of the Insight Center. And basically spent about four years doing a PhD with Brian Caulfield using kind of wearable technologies and looking at their their application, I guess, in screening processes. And I met and collaborated quite extensively with uh, a colleague called Dr. Martin O'Reilly during that phase of my work. And from that was basically the genesis of output. The two of us completed our PhDs and in collaboration with each other and, and moved then on to founding uh, Output Sports together. Fantastic. Um, so yeah, we're here to really talk to you about Output Sports as well. So for our listeners, again, tell us about Output Sports. Yeah, so Output did begin as part of those two PhDs from myself and Martin in, in University College Dublin under Professor Brian Caulfield. And I guess both of us had a large passion for research and really interested in and kind of, um, I guess, moving the field on. One of the things that we were both frustrated by, Martin's background is actually a sports and exercise engineer. So we'd have an awful lot of technical expertise, but a very strong interest in applications in sports science. And obviously in my background as a physiotherapist, I would have spent a lot of time working with teams and became pretty frustrated by some of, I guess, the subjectivity involved in assessing performance. So we collaborated and while having a passion for the research, we really wanted to try and create something useful and a tool and an application that um, practitioners could use at the end of it to, to kind of make all of that work worthwhile rather than just maybe publishing and, and having a few select people reading the journal articles. So when we finished up the PhD, we got a grant from Enterprise Ireland, which is known as the Commercialization Fund grant. 
And the idea of that is to kind of bridge fundamental research that you complete into a commercial entity or commercial product. And that basically gave us a time frame of about two years for myself, Martin, and we brought on our third co-founder, Julian Eberly, our, our chief technology officer, to um, basically try and assess the market and um, understand needs within those both in physiotherapists and strength and conditioning coaches and sports scientists and develop prototypes to try and, I guess, address those needs. We built those prototypes and basically put them out and then look for feedback and develop iterations on the same in order to, um, I guess, create something that's of use, hopefully, to practitioners. So we finished that basically at the start of 2020 and then secured a, a seed round investment, which has basically allowed us to uh, fund out our teams, expand the team and, and launch our first product, which we did in March 2020, which seems like a very long time ago now at the time of speaking, um, but um, has really allowed us to kind of grow out and begin selling um, the, our first couple of um, products, which we're really excited by. Absolutely. Um, lots of years of hard work, I'm sure, there for, your, for yourself and your team. You mentioned practitioners there and, you know, physiotherapists, strength and conditioning coaches, sports scientists. Um, so again, for those that might not be familiar with this kind of software, what, what value can it add? Um, and, and you're speaking to two physiotherapists here. So maybe um, specifically towards physiotherapy, what value can it add for us? Yeah, so to kind of outline exactly what I put is, it's basically a small wearable sensor that you put on various body locations that can measure different uh, components of athletic performance. So measure things as diverse as mobility, to power, to strength, to um, speed and agility, to um, balance, etc. And basically, when we started our commercialization fund, we went out and talked to hundreds of practitioners so physiotherapists uh, strength coaches sports scientists and kind of to get a feel i guess of how they did and measured those different performance variables in their environments and i guess what we found was that currently a lot of practitioners are using a really diverse range of equipment to assess those performance variables so they might be using like a force plate for balance or for jump height or something like that and then they'd be using maybe a goniometer electrical or um just a normal goniometer for measuring range of motion. And then they may be using a, um, a gym aware system or a linear based transducer for measuring something like barbell velocity or power. And then they're having to take all of the information from those disparate pieces of kit and try and amalgamate them in you know, notes or in athlete management systems or other kind of devices or other uh, software solutions. And what was happening, I think, was that they were they're almost doing all of this testing and then not actioning on all of the data because of the processing um, um, that was involved, both in the data collection and, and the analysis of the same. So what we wanted to do to add value there was basically create using a wearable sensor, kind of like a Swiss army knife for practitioners. So it was an all-in-one system that can measure all of those different things that this piece of kit do. So um, as I say, barbell velocity, balance, mobility, um, speed, agility, et cetera. Do that in an accurate and valid manner, but also in a way that allowed for portability and data amalgamation, I guess, in one space, so that practitioners could get a full, I guess, gambit of their athletes uh, or patients' um, performance status, all within one system. Yeah, absolutely. And we've been very lucky to ourselves have had a, a demo from yourself. Um, and we can firmly say it looks like a, a really fantastic product. 
so we're excited to see it get out in the market but um i think my own experience in private practice it's definitely a case of you know i don't actually use goniometers that much anymore i'll, I'll do a lot of eyeballing but a lot of really the basic stuff and, and you know a, a small wearable sensor like that would probably add huge value to my own clinical practice um dave maybe you know you're working in in elite sport you probably use similar systems and um, tell us about your experience using those as well yeah um like we do have quite a lot of kind of technology add-ons um in football or in bernie specifically um that we use that like we have force plates we have opto jumps and all that so i think one of the main attractions of what Dara's described in the output device is that it obviously it's kind of amalgamates into one one device and then you can centralize your data uh, up onto your software. The other the other aspect as well that I think is probably going to be a big selling point for them is that it's portable. Um, trying to lug around force plates or opto jumps and stuff can be difficult and it's not something you would really travel with, but uh, as Darren mentioned, like the output device is the size of a matchbox. Um, can easily be brought on away trips, can easily be brought to different locations. So I think, yeah, I think the it sounds fantastic. Um, one, one question I had for you, Dara, actually, is you've done obviously quite a lot of research behind the output sports device. Um, and how do you, basically, how do you confirm the validity and the reliability of your device? Because um, one thing that practitioners will always be worried about is they're going to start using a new device or start buying a new device is well is it reliable and is it valid yeah no it makes a lot of sense with it and we would have had the same heard the same concerns i guess when we were talking to practitioners at all levels both from you know in an environment where they may have all of the kit and those which may be kind of cost precluded from buying things like force plates or motion capture systems mm -hmm. so in order to ensure i guess validity we collect the data in a systematic manner so similar to how we went about collecting the the data, I guess, during our PhD research. The first thing we, we try and define by talking to practitioners is understand what type of data that they're interested in tracking, whether it be you know power or mobility or movement ID or whatever it may be with it. And then when we have a field at that, I guess, um, that component of fitness is of use for practitioners, the way we would then go about it is we collect data using the wearable sensors and the lab grade data in here. We're actually still based in University College Dublin. Uh, sing, uh, simultaneously. So we pop the wearable sensors on our individuals and then have them complete the task and also measure that task with the gold standard laboratory equipment. So for jump height, it might be on embedded force plates. For our movement quality exercises, it might be using motion capture, whatever the, the equivalent is for the rest. And then what we, once we're able to do that, we can basically synchronize up um, the, the data points with it. And then thankfully, not myself, but predominantly our, our tech team um, led by Jules and Martin, they are able to kind of create algorithms that basically look for points within the wearable sensor signals and corresponding points in the gold standard signals. So when we have our ground truth, we can map the sensor signals to those. And then once we have enough of those data sources, once we have enough of those data points, we can create robust algorithms that we then basically put in and embed within our system. So we usually test that algorithm both on the held out data. On, uh, so when I say held out data, when we collect the data, we basically develop the algorithms with a certain percentage of the data and then test it against um, data that those algorithms haven't seen before and see how accurate and valid it is. 
usually tweak them, embed them in the system, and then once it's in the system, retest it again against the gold standard um, kit. So for our jump height, the way that would work is sensor on multiple body locations, do lots and lots of jumps on a force plate, have our wearable sensor signals correspond to that force plate, look for takeoff and a landing point. And from that, derive flight time and subsequently jump height. And then what we'll do is embed that algorithm into the system, pop it on the athlete's foot again, get them to do jumps on a force plate or using an octo jump or some equivalent system. And then again, measure up to see what our accuracy and validity is. What we do then is that that's kind of our own in-house testing around the same with it, but then we're also very keen on having those externally validated as well. So what we do then is, is work with other researchers in other areas, or sorry, other universities who will then take the system and complete an independent uh, external validity tests around the same with it. So they'll literally just use our system and compare it to some of the laboratory equipment they have and produce a, a validity study as well. So we have worked with and are working with a number of sites who are doing the same uh, ongoing as well and, and um, expect this publications to be out in the next year or so, but probably likely to continue over the next foreseeable future because, as you kind of alluded to, David, the, the validity and reliability of an awful lot of these systems is really paramount to, I guess, understanding where your athlete is and making informed decisions on that by trusting the data that's being outputted. Brilliant, yeah. I wasn't aware that you actually had some external uh, research ongoing, but that's yeah, that's a great way to prove your systems work um, and prove to the practitioners and prove to sports teams that they are valid and are reliable for what you're measuring. So yeah, it's a great yeah. idea. We also find that an awful lot of practitioners, almost the first thing they do when they get the system is, you know, whack out the opto jump or gym aware system or whatever the, the validity measure may be for that and, and test it themselves. So we've had a lot of people who've literally sent us back their spreadsheets of when they've kind of collected data almost ad hoc using the system with it as well, which is mm. really um, good for us because you can imagine with any of these systems, it's about consistent improvement and iteration of it as well. So the more data we have to understand that, the more we'll improve with it. Absolutely. You had a recent blog, Dara, um, about readiness. Um, and on the website, you kind of list readiness, injury management, and strength and conditioning optimization um, as kind of uh, cases that you, that you highlight on your website. Um, readiness is quite a popular term these days, but maybe for listeners who don't know what readiness is, can you maybe explain that a little bit more and, and how output can demonstrate readiness in an athlete? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I'm happy to say that the blog that we put up, which was written by Dr. Tom Commons, and I think you're going to link to it after the podcast as well, could definitely explain it in a far better way than I Tom has kind of really understood readiness both as a practitioner and as a researcher as well. So it's a great blog to read through. But primarily, we can define as it's almost like a readiness to train. So it basically identifies individuals who may be you know, fatigued or coming back from an injury and may not have the physical capabilities to undergo the rigors that you're maybe about to put them through either through a strengthening program or through a rehab program. So the idea of what we want to do in that environment is to uh, assess these different performance metrics which have been correlated to indicating you know, a, a readiness or neuromuscular um, readiness to um, undertake the tasks that you expect of them. And again, as Tom kind of alludes to there, that tends to be multifactorial as well. So um, often sites will have a battery of tests where they'll assess different components of fitness. So 
one one that's used very commonly is like a jump height metric with it. So just literally how high you can jump gives a good indication of your neuromuscular readiness of your lower limbs in order to um, complete the tasks, I guess. But what we've always felt that what, what we've always felt with those type of tests is that adding that into things like subjective readiness, so how the athlete is actually reporting their mobility readiness or their stiffness maybe post game would have and maybe their um reactive strength so their ability not only just to produce power but to produce you know, reactive strength which is an elasticity repeatedly over a period of time those tests in combination with each other will give a much wider picture i guess of an athlete's readiness to train because you're assessing different um uh, fitness components and different muscular different systems i guess of the body that you'll then be able to make a more informed decision around as well so primarily as i say it's primarily to identify things like maybe fatigue or stiffness or um something that might be um impacting the athlete prior to or patient prior to undergoing their rehab or their, their strengthening program with it um yeah so that's primarily it so it's kind of like um in a physio sense, doing a, a bit of a subjective exam with your with your patient or your client before they kind of come in and you uh, crack into a session with them yeah. to, so, to uh, some extent, really. A hundred percent. And even when you're doing your objective assessment with them or you're doing rehab with them, you're probably going to have a look at maybe their movement quality in, in yeah. a squat or a lunge to try and get a, a bit of a clearer picture of where they are in that before going through a rehab program or, or prescribing or increasing your rehab dosage or whatever it may be. Definitely. Dave, do you collect those subjective measures on a day-to-day -day basis with, with the guys over in Burnley? Yeah, we don't do it on a day-to-day -day basis, but we do it twice a week. And we pick specific points during that week, depending on the match schedules and things for when we collect them. Um, and it is a mixture of kind of subjective and objective tests that we do. Um, we've collected baseline scores then which we can compare uh, the athletes uh, current scores to their baseline scores to determine a level of readiness one one question on that topic actually Dara for me is um, in the kind of elite sports setting in the team sports setting now everything data wise um, they're trying to centralize it so for example if we collect a whole load of screening data using an output device or not using an output device how can we then get that onto our Kitman lab system or our sports office system so that coaches, physios, SNC coaches can all see these readiness scores? Does output enable that in any way to centralize that screening data for all to see? Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, that was so common when we talked to practitioners about having just centralized one source of truth so that you can make those decisions from. So initially, what we actually have embedded already in the systems is that all the data can be exported um, via email as a CSV file, which is basically like a kind of bare bones Excel file, which can all be read into pretty much all athlete management systems will accept data in that format. Um, what we are working on is developing the basic call, um, I always get these wrong as well, but APIs. <laughs> so as more I link in with the tech team, the more I try to learn these, um, these terminologies. Basically what that will do is allow for things to speak to each other. So allow our system to speak to other athlete management systems as well. And we're in the process of putting them in place for a number of the kind of major athlete management systems with it. And then we do have our own beginnings of our athlete management system, which is our second product, which we're literally just about to launch, which is the Hub. And the Hub is a desktop version where it will allow you to assess, sorry, allow you to take all the data that you've um, 
captured using the initial output capture system, which is the wearable sensor and a mobile hosting device, and then be able to graphically display that over a period of time and chart different athletes or patients against each other, chart the same patient in terms of assessing their rehab progress over a period of time. And then again, um, kind of speaking to both of your environments there in a, in a private practice environment or in an outpatient environment, it also allows for report generation, which you can imagine is, is quite useful to showing um, progress in terms of rehabilitation. And then also in, in the kind of sports or team environment, there's the option for like live leaderboards as well, which kind of helps drive intent in, in environments where you're maybe doing testing days or, or, um, or trying to drive intent, I guess, in, in one of those environments. Yeah, I think the live leaderboard is a very nice touch on that because anyone that works in sports will probably know that players aren't usually all that enthusiastic about doing screening, but anything to help entice them to do it, create a bit of competition, um, would be really welcome. So I think that's that's a nice addition that you have. Uh, we actually had some athletes who were using those during the lockdown period. So what it helped to do is drive intent when maybe there wasn't a centralized source with people all being in the same gym environment. Um, so it allowed people who were training separately to see how their colleagues were getting on and kind of drive them to um, you know, jump higher or <clears throat> improve their mobility. It's very rarely that they compare each other's balance. <laughs> um, it always tends to be about the power measures, tends to be the ones that they all kind of challenge each other on with it. But it also, like coaches talked during that period about it, really helping to kind of keep that sense of competition alive when maybe you were away from a centralized environment like a gym, um, which would have been normal prior to the lockdown period. That might be more of a, a live leaderboard in your falls prevention class, Dara, in, in, yeah, yeah, in your private practice settings. Yeah. Um, kind of going from physiotherapist, kind of transitioning into, a, I suppose, a, a tech-driven company, um, what impact do you think technology will continue to have on, on physiotherapy as a, a prep profession in the future? We know that kind of S&C has, has been very technology-driven, but physio is definitely catching up. So keen to get your your thoughts on where you think that will be heading in the future yeah i guess we, we found the same when we were kind of talking to practitioners that i think uh sncs and sports scientists are kind of trained on the use of a lot of technologies during undergraduate or postgraduate degrees and um, but i think that's increasingly happening i guess in, in physiotherapy environments with it so we would have been tutoring on um, the physio courses within ucd and would have seen that increasingly coming through over the past number of years with it um, i think I guess I'm always kind of careful with this because I've always kind of wanted to use technology, I guess, as a guide. <clears throat> Sometimes you can hear and see decisions solely driven by technology and output, which I don't think is ideal either. I think there's always an element, I guess, of clinical reasoning. Um, and my thoughts is that technology can, I guess, provide a data input into this clinical reasoning. But there's always an art form in, in physio or SNC in sports science with it use the objective data that you get in order to inform a decision-making process but that decision-making process is um, in the end it's up to you to take that data on board and, and use your training and expertise and experience in order to interpret it but i would say i probably am of the opinion that just purely subjective analysis is, is a great situation either so Actually, in my final year, or my final study in my PhD, I basically got physiotherapists to come in and, and look at movement quality tasks uh, on video at two different time points. 
and looked at the levels of agreement between uh, different physios and actually within the same physio themselves at two different time points as well and found that practitioners very rarely agreed with each other in terms of what constituted kind of good movement quality and, and actually even with themselves at the two separate time points there was only fair to moderate levels of agreement and to me that's quite understandable because I think when any of us are looking at kind of movement quality or trying to assess something subjectively with it, there's always things that kind of impact. It's a very difficult thing to do to assess all different movement kinematics while looking at an individual with it. So I guess kind of my thought process is, is I always kind of, this always kind of goes ahead about using technology and not letting technology use you. So it's using it to kind of, I guess, get the objective markers that you want and uh, think are important in order to, for you to assess your rehab progress, your strengthening progress, or whatever it is with it. But don't use them solely. Use your own clinical experience and interpretation of the data in order to make that decision for that athlete or patient, um, which you, uh, if that's in front of you, because that's the person that you're, I guess, treating at the end of the day. Yeah, couldn't couldn't agree more with that really. So, final question, Dara, just before we get to maybe some of our roundup questions. Um, what are the what are the goals and maybe some of the plans for output sports in the in the future, maybe over the next the next couple of years and and even more long term? Yeah, we always kind of look at kind of goals. This always came from the PhD as well, and like kind of short term and kind of long term time frame. With a short term, we've actually just are about to release our second product, which is the Hulk, which I kind of talked through there, which takes all the information from the output capture system, which is so take all the data from the wearable device with it and be able to view it on a desktop, generate reports and leaderboards and, and longer term programming with it. And then short term is consistently, I guess, improving the capture system with it. So we're always really, really keen with any of our customers to kind of hear feedback around their use cases of it, how they're using it, how they're finding it work with them, and then using that to iterate on, on um, uh, future technologies. I mean, that's the way the, the system has been developed to date. So um, that's really, really important for us to continue the same. And I guess longer term, kind of, kind of two major kind of true affairs with it one thing that we heard again from practitioners and see practitioners is that you often get a lot of data but then either don't have the time or would want more data to, to kind of uncover i guess the clinical insights behind that so what we're trying to look to do is, is kind of leverage the data around you know a wide variety of, of athletes and, and patients and, and use them to kind of inform clinical decision making process or help that so you can imagine if you have you know Research studies to date usually have cohorts of you know, 30 odd participants, or maybe a little bit more, a little bit less, give or take. But you can imagine once you have large volumes of data of jumps over an extended period of time, and you combine that with things like balance and mobility, how all of that kind of contextualized data can help look at some of the kind of key driving forces, I guess, in sports and rehab, which are things like talent identification, uh, injury risk profiling. Um, key performance indicators in terms of rehab or, or sporting environments with it and looking at how some of the physical characteristics that an athlete has correspond with those metrics with it, which is really of interest to us. But then one of the main reasons as well that myself, and Martin and, and Jules have kind of been on this journey together is that we're really, really keen on making um, all of this performance testing, I guess, more ubiquitous and more um, uh, available to all, I guess, and that hopefully is reflected in um, where we are in terms of being able to offer all of that diversity of measurement at the price point that we're able to do so with it, 
but but longer term what we really want to do is allow i guess all individuals to track their progress with it and receive kind of context specific feedback on how to improve that performance or how to improve their rehabilitation process with it because that to us has kind of been the dreams about making what is available to the people like David in a really super elite environment where you have all of this kit available initially to practitioners who may not have that level of, of kit available to them and then longer term to every individual who wants to be able to gauge and, and make informed decisions to, to get to their rehab goals I guess safely and efficiently. Some fantastic plans there so very much looking forward to seeing output grow and develop over the coming years. So on to then a couple of our uh, just roundup questions, a few quick fire ones here for you. So with your physiotherapy hat on, if you could only prescribe or perform one exercise for the rest of your life, what would you pick and why? So I think this is a really cool question. I'm going to caveat this by saying that I probably am about just probably now over a year out of clinical practice. So uh, I You're can imagine I've tended, to, yeah, I've tended to focus on you know, the setting up of my of the company at the moment over the last while. But, uh, so apologies if I'm a little bit behind the loop. But, but I've always kind of seen the most important exercise um, as being like literally whole body aerobic exercise. I remember when I was in, uh, and I know this might be a little bit of a, almost like a cop out that it's like a for everything type of thing but I remember when I was in a um, physio class when I was studying with it I saw that you know 23 and a half hours YouTube video and it's basically shows the benefits of 30 minutes whole body aerobic exercise and the impact that has on so many different um, uh, I guess both physical and mental states with it so I've always been really really big on, on that and trying to encourage that in in all patients with it because I think everything from you know someone with OA who might need to lose some weight in order to prevent impact on their joints to someone with back pain taking control of their uh, pain um, and, and again losing weight I guess and, and having less impact on it to me that's I literally think that works for almost anything so whole body aerobic exercise again being contextual specific about someone's you know got over under ankle you may not be getting them to run on trails with it but you might be getting them to do some form of you know stuff on an exercise bike or in a pool as they're getting back so that's always probably been the, the one exercise that i've kind of almost said to every every individual that comes through is trying to uh, particularly when i was working in a in an outpatient setting to try and increase where possible their, their physical exercise and their daily physical exercise you have uh can you further narrow that down to one specific could you get is it running yeah swimming what what's your what's your one if it's just for you for the rest of your life which one is it? <laughs> you know i like i've i've gotten into running a little bit over the last while um but not at a high level as i found from running with brian caulfield who's our phd supervisor <laughs> who stay with me for the first 5k and then bomb on basically from that stage with it yeah. i find that really enjoyable but what I found is when you're prescribing to a patient, it's almost looking for what they find enjoyable and trying to tailor it to that. So something, again, we both within our kind of PhD group and our output group play a lot of tag rugby. And it's just a really nice way of us all kind of getting together and having a bit of crack and, and being able to kind of get some form of exercise in, in a group scenario. And I find that really, really likable as well. Whereas I know some individuals if I'd said, okay, go out and running, they'd just become completely bored of that because they wouldn't be able to, to you know, 
just have any interest. They, wouldn't, they want the ball involved or they wouldn't have any interest in just pure running. But then the tag rugby might help because there's some form of social interaction with that. With it. So uh, for myself, I'd probably say something like rugby or tag rugby with it. But again, really kind of trying to get to the bottom, I guess, of what the, the patient really enjoys doing and tailoring it to that. Do you all wear output uh, sensors when you play tag rugby or what? <laughs> GPS units, there's no hiding yeah. sense out in our tag pitches. Um, we actually don't, um, but we can totally use it to assess our readiness to perform. For yeah. Game. But I, I think if I started doing that, I might lose my place on the team. So I'm not sure that's <laughs> the most sensible decision. I like that. Contextual aerobic exercise is a good, well thought out answer there. That is, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Again, with your physio hat on, um, in your, your previous profession, before you went full-time into output, what was your favorite injury to treat and your least favorite injury to treat? Yeah, I guess um, kind of favorite, I loved treating ACL injuries with it. Um, so I saw, particularly in Singapore when I was working there, a large uh, number of ACL patients coming through. Um, for a number of reasons, I really loved that kind of mid to late stage of sport specific exercise and kind of putting a thinking hat on and seeing how you can rehab an individual to get to sport specific work. Probably come across that said principle of specific adaptation to impose demand. And I've, I've kind of always tried to live my rehab via that so that you're trying to get more and more sport specific as the kind of joint allows or as the injury allows with it and moving towards that with it. And I've really, you know, in ACL, it tended to be a lot of football or soccer players or rugby players with it and I always have a massive interest in those so I, I really enjoyed kind of tailoring that to the sport and then the position specific um, rehab with it um, and then also because ACL injuries tended to be you know rehabbed over a long period of time so you're you know, six nine months potentially longer potentially shorter with individuals depending on their goals would it you often develop a really good relationship i guess with the patients as well and you kind of i always felt that you kind of had a buy into their rehab and when they played their first game back or literally did things like were able to walk with their crutches for the first time were able to do a light jog in a straight line for the first time cut etc etc getting back to actually getting the first time out on to either kicking a ball or playing a match you almost had like a, um, a vested interest in that. And I really enjoyed that part of it as well. So yeah, probably ACL were my favorite. And then least favorite, again, maybe not kind of MSK. I was, I was never really interested in that kind of respiratory or ICU um, type physio, particularly respiratory physio. Um, not interested is, is probably incorrect, but it was probably not the best at it as well. There's an element of that. But it, I sometimes found it was, I guess, Sometimes a little bit monotonous, um, where versus you know an ACL, where I'm coming up with a sports specific rehab with it. But the flip side of that, I think, is over the past couple of months, definitely you can see the importance of respiratory physiotherapy and, and how it's getting people, like you keep seeing on the news now, people recovering from from COVID and getting out of ICU units and getting back out onto the wards. And the, I guess the the importance and the, the feeling of moving somebody through that life-threatening disease and getting them back up and, and walking, how important that is with it. It just was never really what drove me, I guess, to, to become interested in physiotherapy in, in the first place with it. And, and um, I guess when I started practicing, I gravitated more towards the MSK space, I guess, than that, than that hospital or respiratory type physio. And then finally, um, can you tell us three habits that have helped build your success? 
Yeah, so uh, first one basically is to work, I guess, I don't know if this is a habit, but find excellent people and problem solvers and work with them. So I've always really tried to identify those and I've been really lucky within the output journey that I've worked with some great people, obviously Martin and Julian in, in particular as we've kind of um, grown out, but, but also with, um, in the Insight Centre working with Professor Brian Caulfield, obviously, and and the wider personal sense and group who are fantastic people and great problem solvers and I find when you work with people at that level you really learn from them and you help to take that into your work. I guess also be open to new skills with it so as you can imagine starting a new company involves lots of different things that you don't necessarily learn in, in physiotherapy so things like pitching or uh, customer management and working with um, called them basically client relationship management tools with it and all of that. So being open to how to operate those and um, being able to take on those new skills and not being afraid of jumping in with them. And then the other thing with, with habits is, I guess, anything that you do as much as possible, being consistent with it. So I find that if you're consistently doing a, a little bit each time and each day and each hour, you're consistently looking to improve yourself and consistently looking to improve whatever it is, whether it be company or an athlete or whatever it is over a period of time, that you tend to have greater success than sporadic long-term bursts with it as well. So probably the habits are around working with excellent people, finding and working and learning from excellent people and being open to learning those new skills and putting yourself in the deep end. And then also when you're doing any of those things, be consistent with your habit formation as well and, and make sure that you're um, uh, doing a little bit each day to improve yourself around it. Great answer. Some great habits there. Before we let you go, Dara, um, can you maybe just share with the listeners where they can maybe uh, follow up with you if they want to you know, ask you further questions about, about yourself or about output, whether that's on... Um, social media or via some of your more um, work-related channels? Yeah, so outputsports.com is our website. And again, that will we're actually at Output Sports on everything. So on um, Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, we're all at Output Sports. Uh, my Twitter, I'm just trying to think. I think it's Dara. Yeah, at Wielandara. So at W-H-E-L-A-N-D-A-R-R-A-G-H. That's my Twitter handle. And anyone can reach out to me through there as well um, and then hello at output sports we'll, we'll get to all of us as well if you have any interest onto it as well the website's usually a good base to get a feel for the technology kind of outlines um, some of what we can do there with it and again we're more than happy like we did with you guys to kind of jump on and, and show you the technology over a video call so you can get a real feel for how it may operate in your environment Absolutely. The website is fantastic. So I would encourage people to go and to go and check that out. Um, Dara, thanks a million again for joining us. Uh, we really appreciate it. We will link all of the um, output sports details in, in the bottom of the, the podcast show notes here. So uh, listeners will be able to, to click and view those. Um, but we appreciate your time over the past uh, kind of half an hour and, and also the, the product demo um, a couple of weeks ago it was really, really fantastic to meet and chat to you. And we wish all the best for, for yourself and for output sports um, in the future. Not at all. Thanks a million for having me, guys. Much appreciated. Thank you, Dara. Cheers. Thanks again, guys, for tuning in to today's episode. We hope you enjoyed listening and can take some valuable information or new learnings from it. Make sure to share it with friends and colleagues and tag us at Metrics Physio on social media when you share. Also, make sure to check out our previous episodes of the Measured by Success podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. 
and we'll be back with another episode soon.